Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the City of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, this, this passage that we read today uh, occurs in three Gospels. Uh, a little bit different, but pretty much the same story. Uh, this man who is um, inhabited by demons, and the demons are called out by Jesus. Uh, they, they don't want to go into the abyss. Um, they'd rather uh, another, and they'd like to go into the pigs. And he puts them into the pigs, and the pigs go up a hill and commit suicide. I've decided that the name of this sermon is The Death of the Pigs. And I mean that in every way that it's said. Um, anyway, so, so the pigs die, and um, the man is, uh, we, we know that he's healed. He, he's got his clothes on in Luke, and others, he's, and he's sitting um, by Jesus' side, and it says that he's come to his right mind. Uh, the town folk are incensed. Um, they, uh, well, number one, they've lost their pig business, um, which, according to one of the Gospels, was 2,000 pigs. So it could have helped the economy of the, economy of the entire area. Um, and they're scared of what has happened. The man asks if he can please stay with uh, Jesus. Um, and Jesus says, no, I want you to, with your right mind, in your outfit, to uh, proclaim what God has done to you to your own people. So I just recap it because, well, it took me five times reading it to sort of take it in. It's a bit of a complex story, it seems, at first. So this man, he's, um, in this, he's naked. He's wandering around the tombs, which is the graveyard. That means he's out of town. To, he's been sent out of town. He can't, he can't walk the streets the way he is. Um, he's ferocious in some kind of way. They, they apparently have tried to help him by putting, binding him, but not very well because he breaks the binds. One commentator said, you know, that's not a lot of help, but that's what they've been trying to do as their sort of fix up for him. Um, in another passage, he's actually taking rocks and hitting himself with them. And his punishment for being in the condition that he's in might have been being stoned. So in a certain sense, he's almost stoning himself. He himself is uh, put himself out outside the city limits. In Isaiah 6, we read a people, and he's speaking of people, these are people who, are, uh, not, who don't have it right, a people who sit among graves and spend nights in the tombs who eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things in their vessels. So he is everything that might be considered um, uh, disgusting and um, we want to put it away. Um, he's a scapegoat. You know, um, I was really interested, when I was in Ireland, um, a number of my younger friends became addicted to the Johnny Debs trial and um, they would send me clippings. And um, you don't have to confess it, but I know some of you checked it. Um, and did you notice the way that people just went after Amber? 
I mean, they just went after her. You know, at some point, the tide turned, and it was like evil Amber. And uh, some people, I mean, I kept thinking this, this, uh, these are both people, obviously, in great need, need of help, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, we had suddenly evil Amber. Um, and you, you ever been with your family and all of a sudden it becomes perfectly clear that you're the odd one out? You have some sort of opinion or some way of being and it's just simply not acceptable. Maybe you did something or joined something or uh, had a baby or you, whatever it was, and it wasn't all right. You married somebody you weren't supposed to marry or you are something you're not supposed to be, and uh, you get scapegoated. The, the way that you know you're scapegoated is there's sort of like events that happen and you're not completely invited, or nobody calls you. There's information, you start to be put out of the information loop. And then in, I, when I was in Ireland, they've taken in all sorts of uh, Ukrainians now. But the subculture that I hang with uh, were saying, um, it's so unfair. These Ukrainians get a medical card and a place to live, and we have homeless people, and why should Ireland be doing this? And even more so, if we take in all these Ukrainians, it's going to ruin Ireland. African Americans collect welfare and don't work. Remember that? Do you remember that um, people from Vietnam that we killed were called gooks? Do you remember the use of the word fag? I mean, I'm 66, so I know when these words were used. Um, Jews uh, stick together. I'm sure you have your own. WAPs. I'm, I'm not just speaking about the issue of racism and, 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 and hatred. I'm, I'm really speaking specifically about actually dehumanizing people keeping people, saying people are not really people, calling them things. And when they're not people, they can stay out at the tombs and they can hurt themselves. But somehow they seem to fulfill some kind of need society has to have something like that. Legion, he calls himself Legion, has no hope when Jesus has called the demon out of him. And I know exactly how that feels. That's like when you've had some illness for a very long period of time and somebody says to you, oh, Janet, don't worry at all. I've read a pamphlet. It's, uh, you could just follow the pamphlet and you want to kill them. Or, or, or maybe if you, what's that stuff in bread that we're not supposed to have? It begins with a G. Yeah, that's it. It's gluten. I, you know, you're having trouble with your life, you have stomach problems, cancer, gluten. Um, or sugar, apparently, that could do it too. Um, a really painful one is you're looking for a job and somebody says, oh, that's fine, talk to the hot dog man. He knows somebody who works for J.P. Morgan. Thank you for sharing. Why don't you send your uh, CV into some place where there are a thousand CVs at the same time and see if it just floats to the top. Jesus' appearance to this man feels like that to him. And he says, 
get away from me. Please get away from me. I don't need your help. You're not going to do me any good anyway. Well, this idea of the scapegoat theory was really opened up by a man named Emile Girard, who felt strongly that this story, specifically about these pigs, pointed to the place of powers and principalities in this world and how they operate within human beings. And I quote from him here, but in these cases, it is not the scapegoat who goes over the cliff. Neither is it a single victim, nor a small number of victims, but a whole crowd of demons, 2,000 swine possessed by demons. Normal relationships in Jesus are reversed. The crowd should remain on top of the cliff and the victim fall over. I mean, that's what ought to happen. Legion should fall off the cliff and everybody else should be fine just looking on. But instead, in this case, the crowd plunges and the victim is saved. The miracle of Garasa reverses the universal schema of violence fundamental to all structures of the world. It's a reversal of the scapegoat theory. It's Jesus coming into the place and saying we will not have a scapegoat. Are, the, are there demons in this world? Yes, there certainly are. And I was at, uh, with my family uh, yesterday and my sister is a therapist and very, uh, a very good therapist. And I, she said, well, the notion of having a demon come in you that then comes in you and can leave you is a, really quite a primitive notion. Um, the idea is that somehow you have no human agency. This thing has just come in you and then it leaves you. I'll speak more about that in a moment. But let me just spend just one more moment on this idea of scapegoating. Today is Juneteenth. It's a national holiday. It's a sort of a bittersweet holiday at the same time. 18 states do not give government workers time off for this date. There's too much money involved. Pigs are expensive, um, let's be honest. Uh, it's very expensive to have this kind of date. Um, Juneteenth commemorates, in Texas, there were 250,000 enslaved people, probably more. And if you include the Mexicans and the black, the Moscados, the, 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 the children of the, of the black Seminoles, you have even more. And after Lincoln had declared the Emancipation Proclamation, still the people in Texas and some bordering states who were included in the Union held slaves. And those slaves were not freed. But on June 19th in 1865, Gordon Granger of the Union Army came in and in fact celebrated with the people and they celebrated the freedom of the enslaved people. It is a bittersweet celebration, but at the same time it came at a cost. Freedom 
costs. And Jesus is apparently okay with that. You know, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I listen to, I love uh, cop shows. Um, Blue Bloods, uh, what's the one? What's the one you watch all the time, Nancy? Uh, Blue Bloods, Blue Bloods. Anyway, I like it because justice gets meted out in 45 minutes, and I'm, I enjoy that enormously. Um, but they, there's a, a thing that they always say in these uh, uh, shows. Never negotiate with terrorists. I don't negotiate with terrorists, right? And they, they, they risk their lives. But Jesus does. The, 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 the pig, the, 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 the demons say, I really want, I don't want to go into the abyss. I'd rather ha be in a pig. And Jesus goes, okay, go in the pig. You see, they're so venal that if they get in the pig, at least they can live five minutes longer. If they go to the abyss, they're there immediately. And of course, demons are just like that. Now, there's another beautiful thing that happens here in this passage besides uh, a reversal of scapegoatism. And the second is moral agency. There's a fellow named Stringfellow. You may know him. He was an attorney. He attended Harvard. Um, and after going to Harvard Law School, he actually went to Bates. And then he went to Harvard and he uh, got a law degree, and then he spent his life in Harlem, he's an Episcopalian, helping with tenants and tenant law in New York City. Um, he's an unbelievably wonderful man. And he comes up with this idea that the real purpose of demons, the real thing that they want to do, is to destroy our rational, moral comprehension. They want to make us like animals instead of people with moral agency. I quote from him, in the fall, the purpose and effort of every principality is the dehumanization of human life categorically. The destruction of the mind and the neutralization and abandonment and demoralization of the conscience. It's a big, biblical picture, isn't it? And when we say to ourselves and we look at our world and we say to ourselves, how could this be happening? How could this person be elected? How could we have homeless people living in the street? How could this be, how could we have this much food yet people don't have enough to eat? And the demons describe in this verse and in the Bible, the dehumanization personal, in personal, and political realms. Let me describe dehumanization in the personal realm. Dehumanization in the personal realm is, I don't know what it is. I, could, I just wound up at the refrigerator eating 17 brownies. You wound up at the refrigerator? I don't know what it is. I, there I was in the heroin uh, uh, den, uh, shooting up. I, it just wound up there. You wound up shooting heroin. I, I got, I, there I was beating my son uh, over the head with a, a, my shoe. It just happened. But I've spoken to people who um, have, uh, have performed incest. What I don't, there I was in bed with her. 
And, you know, she was eight. And it just happened. It, it just happened? The destruction of moral agency, the destruction of the ability of the mind to know what it's doing. A great friend of mine said he was speaking to his mother, and he said, do you remember when dad used to hit me? And his mother said, your father never hit you. And he remembers, he's older, taking her by the shoulders and saying, mom, think about it. And she started to cry. And as Jesus would put it, her eyes were opened. Her eyes were opened to the truth of his dehumanization as a child. May our eyes, all of us, be opened. And politically, how could this be? Raise your hand if you've ever thought about government and politics. They must be out of their they must be out of their mind. And we think there's no demons? So there's a cost. There's a cost in putting things right. And that's, this is just the beginning of Jesus' reversal. But Jesus' final reversal, his final reversal is his blood on the cross. His final reversal is his willingness to be the scapegoat for us all. His willingness to take upon himself the sins of the world. His willingness to go to that place for us. To open our eyes, to open our eyes to see God in every human being. The good news, the good news that it's true that God negotiates with terrorists. We're out of a job. That there's an economic cost to put things right. And that we're willing, and Jesus was willing, to pay it. Jesus, it's interesting, doesn't listen to the crowd when they start to be so terrified and they're so mad at him. He just gets on the boat and leaves. That's a good thing to do, by the way, if you're being scapegoated. I would recommend boat leave. Anyway, that's a thought. But you know who he, he listens to the demons and negotiates them, but you know who he doesn't negotiate with? He doesn't negotiate with the man. The man who's been healed says, please, could you get me out of this? Could you let me be an apostle with you? He doesn't negotiate with him. He says to him, no, 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 you stay and you tell people how I have healed you, how God and what God has done for you. And that's a word for all of us, isn't it? May we stay here and tell the great story of what God has done for us. So I close just saying that I have a new little great nephew and he's a uh, three weeks old and he's just absolutely gorgeous and he waves his arms and for him you know peeing is a wonderful thing right you know it's just burping you know whatever he has to do right and uh 
I held him in my arms, and what a thing it is. You very rarely get to hold a really teeny little infant, you know. And, uh, but we're all that little boy, aren't we? We're all that infant at some level. And my prayer is that infant inside that you shall never, ever be scapegoated. And that when you are, you'll get on the boat. And that you'll never scapegoat another. And that your eyes will be open to God's love and humanity in every human being. And that you will be given, through God's will and his spirit, the moral agency to stand up and speak a word when you see someone being treated like they're not really a person. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.